Especially of an animal in a wild state after escape from captivity or domestication. Alcatraz, Arab Spring, one billion rising. Freedom schools, the maroons, rebellion thriving. We've been rising since the dawn of creation. Sun in the blood of our veins, liberation runs. Welcome to Feral Visions, a decolonial feminist podcast brought to you by the Grassroots Adult Freedom School Liberation Spring. I'm your host, Anjali Nathupadia. Let's begin with a content note or trigger warning. Here at Feral Visions, we go deep, and that often means courageously addressing imperialist, white supremacist, cis-heteropatriarchal, capitalist settler colonialism in order to support healing and transformation. Bypassing isn't an option. The only way out is through. The time for denial is over, and today's a great day to keep it real. Since we're unapologetically truth-telling, please practice excellent self and community care while listening. To begin on that note, I invite you to join me for one deep breath right now so that we can be as present as is realistically possible moving forward with this dialogue. If you're feeling it, do inhale then exhale with me right now. Thank you for showing up to do this work. Let's dive right in. To the place where we can all attain emancipation from oppression, break the chains from Haiti to Tibet and worldwide. Don't forget the resistance in our roots and resilience in our breath. In the blood of our veins, liberation runs. We are standing on the shoulders of the ancient ones. Welcome. Let's talk about QAnon, the Democrats, and disinformation to be on the lookout for right now. What with everything that's going on, because a whole lot of it is swirling in case you haven't already noticed. So for folks that do not know me already, my name is Angelina Thupadia. I'm academically trained as a political scientist, as a philosopher, and as a professor. I've been teaching in the field of political science, women's studies, and philosophy for over a dozen years now, especially in the past six years actually in Liberation Spring, a totally grassroots community program. So first off, I just want to acknowledge that lots of folks have super activated nervous systems right now or are super triggered, quote unquote, so to speak. So I want to invite y'all to listen where and when you've got the capacity Uh, to what it is that I'm going to be sharing right now because it might not necessarily be the most comfortable dialogue by any stretch of the imagination. So just really wanting to put that out there to set us up for success, to increase the likelihood that folks can actually metabolize some of the material that I'm going to be getting into. Again, I know that it can be really challenging for a lot of people. Um, So first off, right, as per usual, the corporate media is trash, right? So we're being in and 
inundated right now, right, with very loud forms of storytelling that are ridiculously obfuscating. What do I mean by that? Like, they don't help us actually understand what's going on. So if you are still listening to corporate media for goddess knows what reason, please have some respect for your perception and turn that shit off for all of our sakes, right? I need you to be more cognizant than the corporate media supports our people's being. So if you're looking for, right, some alternative media to begin to get some analysis and critique as to what is taking place right now, a few of the folks that I'm curious to hear from, right, would be pushback. If y'all are not familiar with that podcast, it's Aaron Mate's podcast, an investigative journalist. So I'm curious to see what he's going to have to say about this. Also, Mintcast. So it's the podcast that is put out by Mint Press, right, that's hosted by Minar Muhawesh. If y'all are not listening to that also, she's got, also as an investigative journalist, some super interesting perspectives to share. Um, thirdly, the Black Agenda Report. I'm super curious to see what they're going to have to say about what's going going on. And then fourthly, with a caveat, and for all of these folks, right, it's dangerous to put anyone or anything on a pedestal, myself included, please, um, Systems Update, right, Glenn Greenwald's podcast. Um, so again, they've all got their pros and their cons, and we can absolutely get into them, but just to give y'all a sense, these are some of the folks that I'm going to be curious to be hearing from. Um, and again, Democracy Now! has been such an extraordinary disappointment in the past year, and so I'm not particularly interested to see what it is they're going to say, but just wanting to keep it forward facing and share a few of those resources with y'all, right? So we can continue to hear from genuinely independent sources, right? That are not receiving their funding from corporations because that's not setting us up for any kind of a rigorous dialogue. Uh, and so one of the things that I would really like to get us going by sharing is um, what happened yesterday, although there's some humor to be found in it, and I know that laughter can be medicinal, and some people's meme game has been on point and hilarious and so medicinal within the past day, it's not just hilarious by any stretch of the imagination. And it's also not just a white settler thing, right? So of course, some of us, right, have kind of looked back and derived, again, some strange pleasure, some laughs, right, seeing, right, cops and these MAGA supporters, right, allegedly in some faux performative way, right, having a conflict. Um, but the thing is, when fascists are emboldened, especially if we're talking about white so-called American cis men, they'll act their violent entitlement out on a shit ton of the rest of us. So I really want to discourage any storytelling about what happened yesterday that perceives it in a vacuum, right, devoid of context, divorced of context, that's incredibly dangerous, right? Uh, we Rise Production sharing, thank you, Anjali. Some people are going so hard into humor and not taking this seriously. Yeah, it's a real problem. And again, I'm here for the laughs. Y'all know that, right, I take laughter very seriously as a part of us getting free. It can be powerful. And it can also actually serve as a little bit of a counter-revolutionary diversion from more substantial modes of engagement that we could be taking seriously. 
So I really want to invite our discernment on that front, right? Because again, the thing is like, yeah, some of the footage was hilarious. And again, when these, right, want to be tough guys go home to their communities and they're feeling like tough guys and super emboldened, who are they going to be taking that out on, right? And this is just like any kind of, right, alleged street battle. Not that what we saw was a battle at all whatsoever. We're going to get into that soon. This was not their coup attempt, right? If people think that they can sigh, right, relief, like, let's be a little more on point than that, please, right? Let's actually pay attention. This wasn't their attempt at a coup. That could be January 20th on my birthday. That could be between now and the inauguration. That could be afterwards, right? Uh, and so again, let's zoom out to perceive the big picture and let's please write while we're getting in any medicinal laughter also let that be right in the service of taking what's happening even more seriously um, and we see actually in some decolonial spaces right people kind of making light of right settlers and colonizers fighting with one another and again in a way that I think is in part hilarious and at the same time it doesn't acknowledge the fact that who is it would be euphemizing to use this language of collateral damage who of all of us get victimized amidst that kind of white male on white male violence right to co-opt and to twist right this racist language of black on black violence right uh and so yeah it's not just hilarious so we can engage in the jokes and also there is actually a lot that's serious here for us to be attending to uh and right i actually want to share Right. And this is something that some of y'all might be super uncomfortable with right now. So, again, if now's not the right time for you to listen to this, I have the utmost respect for timing. All right. You're welcome to not listen to what I'm going to share right now. That's fine. Um, but I actually want to talk about taking seriously why some people are attracted to QAnon. And some of y'all know that tuned in to the Autumn Weeds and Seeds series that I shared on IGTV here over the course of 21 hours at the end of last year. We've already gotten into some of this, right? Um, and so again, for folks that don't know me, right, I am a political scientist and I've been trained to teach political science. I've done that for over a dozen years, taking it back to right when I initially was a teaching assistant in a couple of poli-sci classes at Cal State Fullerton, when I was finishing up undergrad, a civil liberties course, and a course that at the time was called Chicano Politics, with a rad Tejano professor, Bert Buzan. Some of y'all might know him. Shout out to Bert Buzan. Um, and the thing is, right, just to back up and give a little bit of context, as somebody who has been taught to teach politics. So you can imagine, right, over the course of, say, grading thousands of papers, right, over the course of my career, right, hearing people trying to make sense of the world, right, as it pertains to politics, and maybe sometimes doing better and sometimes doing worse, right, sometimes having some historical rigor and sometimes missing out on that historical rigor, right? There's actually a lot that really merits our attention in terms of taking seriously what some of these, right, QAnon, right, supporting so-called, right, insurrectionists, I think that's not the most appropriate term to be using right now, but what people are saying, right, 
what they think they believe in on their own terms, right? And for me, right, what is salvageable there that then, right, for those of us that have the capacity that are open to parsing out, right, half-truths, right, really understanding how are millions of people, right, finding this kind of meaning-making compelling, right, what do I actually want to affirm there, right? And what definitely does not merit affirming, right? And so, for example, even going from those civil liberties classes, right, and TAing, right, being a teaching assistant in a Chicano politics class at Fullerton, to then, right, teaching my own poli-sci courses at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, I had young white men in my classes in good faith ask me, like, hey, what do you think about Alex Jones, right? And just to back up and to share, Alex Jones of 2010 was not Alex Jones of this year, right? Um, and so it's really important to acknowledge that, right, some folks can, and of course here I'm not just talking about the rabid, unapologetic, right, racists with their Confederate flags, but I'm talking about, right, maybe some family members of some of y'all, right, or some of your neighbors or coworkers or community members, um, that you're not interested in completely, right, ontologically, right, dismissing in the name of some kind of sanism, like saying that they're so-called unhinged, right, because myself and some other folks have been doing reconnaissance, at minimum listening in on what they've been talking about, for sure for me, say, for the past 16 years explicitly, um, but extra hard within the past year, right? And again, there are some grains of truth in their storytelling that are getting twisted, that are getting co-opted, that are getting weaponized, that are getting manipulated, right? And this is especially harder to navigate amidst the kind of algorithmic injustice that we're swirling in right now, right? So for example, right, people having these sleek, well-funded echo chambers, especially online, that have them, right, in this, right, parallel universe, sincerely thinking that they're actually standing up for justice or standing up amidst, right, the reality of child abuse, right, when they're doing the kinds of things that we saw yesterday. So again, for me as a teacher, right, imagining say if some of these folks were my students in a poli-sci class and they were actually showing up in good faith and it wasn't all about, say, white supremacy or cis-heteropatriarchy for them, right? I would want to say, like, I hear you saying that you're into justice. I want to support that. I'm also super into justice. I hear you saying that you're concerned about child abuse. I'm also super concerned about child abuse. I want to affirm and uplift that, right? But you know what? Based off of my lifetime of caring about justice and child abuse, I'm not sure about your analysis, right, of what it's going to take to really take, say, child abuse or justice seriously, right, in this moment. So you see how that's not just writ large dismissing of someone, right, into all of infinity, right? And the thing is, I'm not saying, like, we need to be compassionate and empathize reaching across the aisle with fascists. That's not what I'm saying at all whatsoever. What I'm saying is actually, in part, you could see it as an intellectual invitation, right? For those of us that are curious, for those of us that want to understand, right? And especially for those of us that have the capacity and that know, 
Oh, this kind of divisiveness and this, right, escalating violent divisiveness in the settler colonial U.S. mainstream culture, it's not going anywhere, right? And so Lee BDS is sharing, I just got permanently banned from Facebook for my Palestine activism, algorithmic oppression against Palestinians as well. You know, that's exactly something that we're about to be getting into. I can share a little bit about it right now. I appreciate you bringing that in. So here's something that I really want us to be on the lookout for, right? And this is, right, there are a few different components of what I'm going to share. Um, some people are talking about it in the context of free speech, right? And other people are talking about it. I would invite us to take it super seriously within the context of the revocation of civil liberties. Uh, so here's the thing, right? Some folks have been prophesizing this, right? Predicting this for a very long time. All right, here's something that is already actually underway, right? Under, say, the past four years, right, there's been a particular approach to understanding the call for, right, censorship, the call for increased surveillance, right? Like, oh my goodness, there are real threats. There's terrorism in the world. Big brother, save me, right? Something that many analysts have anticipated is during the Biden administration, the scepter of right-wing terrorism is going to be used to be able to bolster increased policing, increased surveillance, right? Increasing, right, the surveillance state, big brother, so to speak, big data as as Big Brother, right? And the Democratic Party base and liberals are going to be requesting, right, the revocation of free speech, the revocation of civil liberties. This is kind of like some of what happened, right, in 2001 as well, because the boogeyman domestically, right, that's getting demonized, so to speak, are so-called right-wing terrorists. Do y'all see how that works, right? And so then when it comes to Right, like you just mentioned about, right, actually getting fucked with by tech bros if you're supporting Palestinian liberation, right, all of this, right, throwing to the wind any vestiges of civil liberties, of free speech, right, of privacy that we have, right, people are going to be like, oh, quickly, these right-wingers are so scary. Yes, fuck free speech, fuck civil liberties, fuck privacy. Big brother, you've got to save us from these, right, scary right-wing terrorists. And then it's going to get used even more mercilessly on all of the rest of us. That's a pretense, right? And this happens quite often. We've already been seeing this historical mechanism playing out within the past 20 years, especially in the U.S. So I really want for y'all to be on the lookout for that particular narrative, right? And we even see this already in terms of how people are talking about the cop presence or a lack thereof yesterday. Instead of being like, well, yeah, cops were colluding. We've got evidence of that going back for years and with the planning of this specific action. That's why cops weren't doing anything. They opened the gates, right? But how is the mainstream narrative being spun, right? We need even more security right like I was for example um, hours of my life I'm never getting back listening for a few hours yesterday to this NBC live stream I don't have a TV and it was online right so that was what I was looking at um, and they had this national security expert on and again when people are ambiguous ambiguity can get 
co-opted in dangerous ways we need to be on the lookout for. Ambiguity can get weaponized in dangerous ways that we need to be on the lookout for, which is why I'm always inviting us to take seriously context. So for example, this national security expert was saying like, wow, our major takeaway from today is that things are really gonna have to change seriously in terms of right our domestic take on national security. So of course you could see a lot of people nodding their heads like, yeah, a lot's gonna have to change. How could this have happened? But what do they mean there specifically? Like what's gonna change and for who, right? And this is something that, right, for your theory heads, right? If some of y'all are into Agamben, right? His languaging about states of exception is something that's super relevant here and has been, right, completely on point, especially since 2001, right? So essentially, governments will take away, right, the tiny semblance of, right, civil liberties or rights or privacy or freedom of speech that some of us have at all, right, based off of this rhetoric of a state of exception that then ends up being permanent. So again, for those of us that are students of history, this has been the MO full-time of the settler colonial U.S. for over 20 years at this point, right? So what we're seeing is likely a ramping up of that, right? Lee BDS sharing, U.S. anti-imperial activists are going to have to stay continually vigilant during the Biden administration to keep the focus on how liberalism morphs and changes to bring the message to our communities. A hundred percent. You can say that again, right? And on that front, frankly, right, this is right why I referenced, right, this particular discourse as being in part about, right, the Democrats uh, and the Democratic Party establishment, right? So not even just centrist Democrats or establishment Democrats, right? Because again, for those of us that are not just right in our tunnel vision, solely looking in a vacuum at what happened yesterday, but that are anticipating out two years from now, four years from now, and beyond, right, not just being, right, monopolized by settler colonial election cycles in our imagination and in our community protection endeavors, right? The thing is... Um, we know that, right, the Democratic Party is totally corporatized as well, right? They're imperialists, they're racists, they're capitalists, right? And so what's incredibly dangerous is, like, plenty of people have been anticipating, right, since Biden got, right, the nomination on the part of the DNC, right, the Biden administration is going to be so insufficient at giving people anything other than toxic crumbs that the fascistic backlash two years from now and four years from now is likely to be a whole lot worse than anything we've experienced in the past four years, and the Democrats are neo-fascists anyways, right? So I really want to invite our attention to that piece, and in that way, and again, some people might be super confused by my saying this, but I want to share that I can get down with some QAnon supporters before Nancy Pelosi any day of the week. Now, what in the hell might I mean by that, right? Because again, right, a whole lot of these QAnon supporters have not learned how to critically think, right? And in the sleek, right, algorithmically induced echo chambers that they find themselves in, as empirically incorrect as they might be, 
they're engaged in activism, they're speaking their minds, right? And so it is important for me to acknowledge that there's a lot for those of us who are seeking deep understanding of what's going on right now to notice there, right? Uh, and so also, I really want to bring up too, um, around the cop piece, right, yesterday, I don't know if any of y'all have seen, but there have been organizations, appreciate that, that have emerged even just within the past year, especially since Corona, specifically, right, one of the founders of one of these organizations was interviewed on the Corbett Report, right, this like anarchist conspiracy theorist uh, podcast sometime within the past several months, who he is so on point in some areas and then is also like a climate change denier and into this pandemic theorizing and like an anarcho-capitalist as if that's actually a thing. So completely disagree with this take on multiple substantial issues, but he actually has a lot of interesting things to say around some of this. And one of his um, guests created some organization, was it called like Toe the Blue Line, Blue Line in the Sand, something like that, that was literally doing mobilization unapologetically, um, wanting to support cops in their non-compliance, not say arresting people that are not wearing masks, right? And so again, this has been out in the open that these right-wingers, right, have been doing capacity building trainings among law enforcement departments specifically preparing them to not comply, to open the gates, right, like we saw yesterday. So if I can, from a continent away, just listening to a few podcasts every day, have anticipated exactly what happened yesterday, what's up with this corporate media punditry that was literally hand-wringing and pearl-clutching and acting confused yesterday? This is part of why, right, if you know anyone that still listens to the corporate media, please, let's have respect for ourselves and shut that down immediately, right? Lee BDS sharing, we've been fighting them hard here in Portland, Oregon since early 2016 on the university campus. Oh, I'll believe it, right? And baby mamahood sharing, I see how COVID as well as being an evidence of that with medical freedoms. A thousand percent, right? Um, and so, right, medical martial law, right? And the thing is around that that we also need to be so rigorously on the lookout for is kind of like I opened up with when it comes to nervous system regulation, so to speak, right? Fear mongering and right, making decisions from a place of fear. We only need to look at history to see what that yields, right? Because so many of our loved ones are so afraid right now and rightly so on so many different fronts that we absolutely should be honoring and acknowledging. It makes sense, right? That is just a recipe for disaster when it comes to people saying, Again, a platitude via a tweet like, quote, I believe in science, end quote, as an excuse to be like, whatever this military contractor Palantir says they want to put in my body, that's completely fine because I believe in science. Like a military contractor monopolizes science. So I appreciate your bringing that in. Again, it's especially with the way that in the past couple of decades, the mainstream conversation about right so-called anti-vaxxers right has taken place there's virtually zero space in the mainstream to even begin to delve into just this level of nuance that I shared in less than a minute right and again it's
it's like Democracy Now! just realized in the past month for the first time in their lives that some people of color are like, oh, do you understand that like we don't actually just trust medical doctors a priori? Like, have you heard of our lives? Right? And so if that's how behind, and by behind, I'm euphemizing what I'm referencing is, right, ignorantly, right, racist, classist, colonial, right, liberal elites are when it comes to keeping our communities safe, this is why I'm inviting us to be a little bit more critically thought around all of this, right? And also in terms of that entitlement that I spoke to, right? A whole lot of decolonial feminists, right, have been advocating for approaches to genuine security for a very long time because we know that the national security state gives no fucks about our safety. We know that settler colonial governments give no fucks about our safety or security. We know that we keep us safe, right? And so what that means is also that if a bunch of these random fascistic, right, white male Americans we're just like, we get to storm into that house without even getting, right, arrested wholeheartedly or a slap on the wrists. What's that mean about all the rest of our houses? What has just been encouraged, right? What is now more likely to happen based off of them not experiencing substantial consequences yesterday of any kind, whether it's vigilante justice, whether it's some um, criminal injustice approach, anything, right? Um, and so that's also why this is actually really important for us to be talking about. Um, and so again, I'm also just wanting to break down uh, some of the grains of truth that I see getting co-opted by the QAnon movement, because I know this is important if there are people in your lives, there are tens of millions of folks in the settler colonial US that are into this form of storytelling. So we all either know some of these folks or are one or two people right removed from folks that are into this form of storytelling, right? Um, we would be really well advised to actually listen, even if one, people want to be dualistic, right? Knowing where your enemy is at in terms of, right, not getting caught by surprise by something that happened, like the shit that went down yesterday. If people were listening, none of this would have been surprising. And I don't mean in some generalized sense, like white people can be super violent, obviously. No, I mean like, any of us that have been paying attention, right, specifically to, right, these allegations of electoral college fraud knew that yesterday was one of the four most important dates to be on the lookout for, for one of these right-wing mobilizations storming the Capitol. This is not that complex. It is anyone who pay attention, right? Uh, and so, and again, I'm not encouraging fascists, this is for the sake of our understanding, because we're capable of that, and because understanding can help us keep ourselves safe, right? So to make crystal clear, right, this is not, right, me inviting us to, right, centralize our empathy on folks that many whom, of whom might, right, give no fucks about, right, our survivance, let alone our thriving. Um, and I would also just share on that front, right, again, um, they might not extend any kind of curiosity back towards us. Oh, thank you for that heads up, Rad. Um, 
However, right, also whether or not we are extending curiosity, right, is more about what we're choosing to create in the world, our understanding of ethics, right? So again, this is not about reaching across the aisle to fascists, right? Um, but the thing is, some of these folks are genuinely being hustled by fucked up algorithms and their consciousness is being sculpted, right, in these echo chambers. But clearly, fuck fascism, obviously, right? That hopefully goes without even saying. Um, and so I also want to share one other thing here that, again, some folks might not want to hear right now, but is super important. I want us to understand that some of their sentiment also actually comes from, I appreciate that, good looking out, wish I was right there with you. Uh, some of their sentiment comes from understanding that the Democratic Party is trash, right? And also that what gets called identity politics are so often being used as veiled opportunism. Now, what people mean when they use the term identity politics really merits delving into um, with more intentionality than I can summon in this moment in my current state of sleep deprivation. <laughs> However, I agree with those two sentiments wholeheartedly, right? The necessity of naming that this corporatized sellout Democratic Party is trash, um, and that again, a lot of people use, right, identitarianism for their own opportunistic ways or agendas, and maybe again, like they're survivors and they're trying to pay their bills, so they say, like, please tokenize me, right? But then one of the impacts of that, right, or a consequence of that is then a lot of folks are like, these people that call themselves liberals, leftists, progressives, whatever it might be, right? They're hypocrites or they're disingenuous or they're full of shit or they're just trying to get theirs. Why do people believe what they're saying in good faith, right? Ooh, why am I not surprised, right? Uh, and so especially for some of these right-wingers, right, right, or people that are into QAnon, the thing is in their absence of possibly knowing actual radicals, actual progressives, people that are into decolonization, right? They're operating based off of a caricature of what movements to end sexism, racism, and the like are based off of, right? So they're operating based off of these mainstream distractions and diversions that I totally concur, I don't support either, right? And so some people would say like, oh, don't say that so openly, right? But the thing is, our survival depends upon us being honest, and some of us actually care about being truthful and being honest, so it really merits naming. And also because, again, those diversity and inclusion and identitarian distractions are a diversion from our movements to, right, get free or for collective liberation. Um, and so again, one other thing that I would want to share, I kind of gestured to it earlier, is that this was not their coup attempt, right? The coup attempt could be between now and the inauguration, it could be January 20th, it could be afterwards. Um, and so one thing that I really want to invite us to be hip to there is, you'll see a lot of liberal elites to keep it real, like say Stephen Colbert, just making fun of these folks. And in a way that, yeah, it's dehumanizing. It's not helping heal, right? Anything. Um, but it's also super dangerous. As in, if people actually thought that yesterday was their attempt at a coup or at an insurrection, right? Then they are, again, if we're gonna be dualistic, underestimating their enemy. Do you understand that? Right? So again, for any of the rest of y'all that have even been doing the most superficial 
official reconnaissance, right? If QAnon supporters wanted to engage in mass murder, they could be engaging in mass murder. Like, they weren't even, right, opening fire on masses of people yesterday. And so the thing is, it's super dangerous to sloppily call what happened yesterday a QAnon coup attempt, because then, and we already see this do happening, liberals going back to brunch, right? Like, wow, that was so scary. All right, let's move on with our lives. We just have to right, wait and be patient till after the inauguration, then everything will be fine, right? And so again, that is a misunderstanding of the situation and a dangerous one, and one that some of our communities dis proportionately could bear the burden of. And so we can't afford that, right? So just really wanting to put that out there. I would share on that front one more resource with y'all. Um, have you listened to the It Could Happen Here podcast? I wrote a post about it almost a year ago, and so you can go back to Instagram to see if you didn't see it then. The entire right pretext of that podcast is looking at different scenarios of what right a second civil war in the settler colonial U.S. could look like. And like I shared at the time, right full disclosure, the host is some right. A white guy who's a liberal, and I want to say who's even a pacifist, um, who like doesn't even understand the importance of self-defense, right? When oppressed peoples are being attacked, um, when anyone is being attacked, and so yeah, I totally don't agree with right his positioning politically. However, it absolutely merits listening to. Um, and I also want to name that even when I shared that post a year ago. Um, at least one person openly communicated to me that it freaked them the fuck out. So I know for some people, right, especially if you're not in spaces that are a little more politically mature, even the idea of a second civil war is really scary to a lot of people to even think about. And so that's why for any of y'all that have the capacity, when and where you have the capacity to dive into that, right, I strongly encourage you to do so. Because the thing is, for example, I've been super into looking at all of this my entire life, and because of that, I've designed my life and I've prepared myself so that I can be set up for success to navigate something like that much more robustly than someone that has right skirted around, albeit a super concerning situation, but in a way that hasn't equipped them with good intel to be able to keep them and their loved ones safe, right? So again, I know this might be super intimidating for folks if and when and where you've got the capacity. I strongly encourage y'all all to listen to all of the It Could Happen Here podcast, just like I encouraged a year ago at this time. Um, I also want to invite people to be on the lookout for folks disproportionately focusing on Trump at the expense of other important issues at play here. So to be clear, he definitely needs to be held accountable. And that's just one puzzle piece of many that we need to address. And also, please look out for right this being used as justification to right solely focus on, say, trying to impeach him in the next couple weeks at the expense of also being on the lookout for other sketchy agendas that are getting pushed, right? Like the amping up of policing. And again, this is something some of us have been talking about for years 
especially when more folks right mainstreamed the conversation about defund the police in more and less skillful ways, especially in the last year, is that right? All it takes is some people getting a little bit scared for folks to be like, "Oh, just kidding. It's okay. I want cops. I want to be able to call them." Right? And clearly, not all of us would be in that place, but we know where the mainstream dialogue is and isn't right around the topic of policing and community safety and security right now, right, which is in part rooted in the fact that the overwhelming majority of our communities don't have, right, legit, right, methods for engaging in robust community safety. Not that cops do that, let's be crystal clear, right? But again, that's something that keeps them, right, much more amenable, so many millions of folks anyways, to, right, giving cops as much money as they want and then some the way that we've seen in the history of the settler colonial U.S., right? Uh, and so the thing about free speech also, right, this is even like, for instance, if any of y'all were paying attention, right, Twitter, right, and Facebook both, right, temporarily banned Trump, like you can't use your account for 12 hours, right? Um, and so a lot of, right, liberals and progressives, right, are really afraid of that because they believe in, right, no-holds-barred free speech. Um, and one of the things that I would want to share around that is I actually did teach a constitutional law class at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, and so I'm actually equipped to speak to this uh, in a way that most people probably aren't. First off, there are so many exceptions to free speech, right, even within the Constitution. Libel, not constitutionally protected, slander, incitement, shouting fire in a crowded theater, time, place, and manner, right, context-related restrictions. Like, you could say... Liberation Spring is great, but you can't say it on private property at 2 a.m. with a bullhorn, right? And so on and so forth. We could continue. And so when you hear some, right, progressives, whether it's Jimmy Dore, Glenn Greenwald, whomever being like, oh, this is so dangerous. We have, you know, the Edward Snowdens, the Julian Assanges, like we have to protect freedom of speech no matter what. What's something that predictably all of these white men aren't understanding? Hate speech. The fact that some speech does does actually enable and embolden violence, excuse me. Um, I'm not into the language of hate speech because oppression is not just about feelings like hate or like love. Those are sloppy oversimplifications, but I'm sure y'all are picking up what I'm putting down, what people call hate speech, right? So again, especially if you see a bunch of white male progressives that are like, oh, we have to protect free speech no matter what, right? I've not seen just about any of them have any kind of a rigorous understanding of what is at stake for oppressed communities in terms of right, words that harm, to invoke some black feminist languaging around that. With that being said, exactly like we were just talking about, right, the scepter is, the bait and switch is, bonus points if you see this, right, and are able to spot it anytime in the next day or in the next week, right, scare the shit out of a lot of people because of right-wing terrorists to then get community buy-in, right, to say, Okay, okay, Twitter gets to decide, Facebook gets to decide what speech is authorized and what speech isn't like has been happening since Twitter and since Facebook. And then, right, there's the bait and switch, right? That revocation of free speech gets weaponized against 
all of the rest of us actually doing work in the spirit of collective liberation, right? Lee BDS sharing, huge issue I've seen in the U.S. among my fellow leftists, unwilling to develop a robust revolutionary critique of American empire as citizens of empire to be able to combat liberal ideologies. A thousand percent, right? And that is also why, again, sometimes if you listen to liberals, some of them will say things like, oh, how could some people that see themselves as leftist, progressive, radical, right, whatever it might be, liberals, agreeing in any way, shape, or form with anything that right-wingers have ever said or with QAnon? I know what that is. That's the horseshoe theory. But has anybody ever stopped to think about what's a decolonial critique of, right, this particular, right, so-called horseshoe theory, right, if we're more expansive in dilating our understanding of political theory, so it's not just like what we saw yesterday that one amazing memester shared, settlers gone wild, the situation is a whole lot more complex than that, actually. So again, if we take seriously the dismantling of imperialism, if we take seriously the dismantling of settler colonialism, it is definitely not as easy as just saying anything the government told me is a conspiracy theory is definitely bad and I'm not going to look at it and I'm not going to listen to it. We actually would be very well advised to be a little more discerning, to practice whatever critical thinking skills we've got because they're so vital in instances such as this, right? And around that in particular, something else I would want to share um, is super interesting here that uh, Whitney Webb has actually talked about, who's another figure that I invite a grain of salt, if not a bag of salt, with all of these folks that I'm sharing, right? She has been associated with some organizations that not everyone here might be 100% on board with, and you know we can still take ideas seriously regardless. Um, she has talked about how, right, some, right, governmental operatives for decades now have been advocating infiltration into conspiracy theory scenes because they've been lamenting these intelligence operatives how anti-government conspiracy theories are and they're like this is a real problem we need to create more pro-government conspiracy theories so Whitney Webb actually has a take on QAnon that I frankly find to have more explanatory power than anything else I've heard anyone else say about it, um, which is just inviting folks to notice, if you've been paying attention, do you notice how this figure of Q is like, trust this government official, trust this intelligence operative. And for those of us that are students of so-called conspiracy theories, that is very uncharacteristic, right? So let's just kind of parse out again, recap what I just shared, right? U.S. federal government intelligence operatives literally call for, right? I mean, in academic publications, right? And using some kind of ableist language of so-called crippled epistemologies, by the way, if you want to look it up, um, infiltrating conspiracy theories with pro-government sentiment, and then Q comes along, right, this very, right, famous and popular conspiracy theory, and then all of these folks are being led to, right, have faith in Trump, have faith in some of these other, right, federal governmental, right, figureheads and authorities. Um, and so I also just really want to invite us to pause and to 
potentially sit with, right, that interpretation, right, in terms of so much of the kind of, right, mysticism around where the storytelling of QAnon comes from. Because if you ask me, again, as someone that has studied conspiracy theories very carefully my entire adult life, I'm intellectually and politically secure, so I'm down to go there and really actually derive a lot of pleasure in parsing out how people make meaning, right, and how people are weaving together different threads according to disparate worldviews when we're, right, not afraid of moving beyond our echo chambers, whether it's liberal elites on the coasts in the settler colonial U.S. or whatever it might be. Um, I think that actually is much more on point with some things some of y'all have heard me share anyways, right, around what's actually going on with, right, QAnon. Um, and also in that way, right, if these QAnon supporters were actually just being hustled by a PSYOP of the CIA or some other, right, federal governmental agency, then do you see how, right, for those of us who are paying attention, it's not as simple as just being like, fuck these people into infinity forever and beyond, right? Because again, it's easy for me to say as someone that's trained as a professor and a community organizer, first and foremost, if folks are like, I'm willing to stand up for what I believe in, I'm ready to be organized, I'm here to fight against injustice, but they just so happen to have been deeply miseducated in an anti-intellectual place like the settler colonial US as a teacher, and again, y'all don't have to be coming from this place in the least, but for me, right, I see folks that could potentially be showing up in a very different way in the world for the people within that cohort that are making good faith efforts to actually understand, right? To continue to evolve their awareness and their consciousness, which some of them are, many of them probably aren't, right? But just wanting to put that out there. Uh, Ooh, uh, Lee BDS Train, are you familiar with Abby and Robbie Martin's Media Roots critiques of Q? No, but thank you for that encouragement. And Abby Martin, right, of Empire Falls Files is also someone that um, amidst the other maybe five or so resources that I mentioned earlier that I am a little curious to hear from in terms of some of the critiques that emerge from all of this, right, that I would imbue more interest and curiosity in than the corporate media for sure, than democracy now for sure. Um, so just wanting to put some of that in there too. Ancestral Alchemy Academy, are you turning in from Kemet? Good to have you here. Baby Mama sharing this talk is so good. Appreciate that. Uh, and so... Again, it's just important as we're beginning to wrap up, first off, to invite y'all to share any questions if you'd like to. You know, I'm here for that. So feel free to write them in the chat and I can get to some of them because I wouldn't be surprised if y'all are sitting with lots of other curiosities. Um, but I would just share here, again, many folks have predicted exactly what happened yesterday for a very long time. So what's the takeaway in terms of our discernment? If you have heard anyone be stunned, shocked, surprised, what that means is, right, kind of like with the election of Trump to begin with, they have bad intel, right? And so for those of us that respect our mind and our perception, our discernment, our imagination, I would like to invite all of us to be synced up with good intel as opposed to bad intel, right? Um, and so just wanting to encourage you, again, if someone like these clueless pundits on NBC yesterday, right, are like, this came out of the blue, we're so surprised, and I just listening to some podcasts and being a student of history heard 
dozens of people talking about exactly what was going to happen yesterday prior to yesterday, right? And they have multi-million dollar budgets and they weren't able to figure it out, right? Then I really want to encourage us to cherish our mind and not continue to let it be poisoned by people that are not making good faith efforts to support our understanding what's going on in the world. Because again, we don't get free off bad intel. I will say it again. We do not get free off bad intel. It's less likely for us to even survive with bad intel, right? This is relevant for many of our communities, disproportionately more so than others, right? Heart-centered, loose sharing. What do you think of leftists who say, it's dope that the people yesterday made moves like that. I hope we can gain that much influence someday. Someone said this in an abolitionist group. Um, I actually, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly what folks were saying, but for the most part, just based off of that, actually support that. Um, because again, kind of like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, right, as a community organizer, right, if we're not in a place of just like, ontologically demonizing folks, but you're actually listening, right? Making some kind of good faith attempt to understand someone's worldview. And they're like, I'm here to fight against injustice. I'm going to find some way to fund, right? Being able to get to the Capitol to, right? Advocate for what I believe in and to take risks, right? There's no kind of moral equivalence at all when it comes to the risk from law enforcement, obviously, right? When it comes to the racialized dimension, right? The nationalistic dimensions, the history and the context that this is taking place in. But just when it comes to, right? mass mobilization, right? Many publications, right, have advocated that people, progressives or folks on the so-called left wing, look at how effective right wing organizing has been, especially in the past couple of decades. So I could not more strongly concur that, right, regardless of, say, ideology or worldview or belief system or politics, right? Again, when I, I'm not going to say I was mad when I saw someone putting their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Like, I wish it was some other people. But again, considering how horrific, like this person that's like, no, folks who are starving aren't going to get funding because we've got to give over half of our funding to the military in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, I'm not upset that somebody was fucking up Nancy Pelosi's desk yesterday, right? Um, and so in that sense, again, around people activating themselves in the face of their perception of injustice as an organizer and as a teacher, it's important for me to affirm that. However, again, belief system and cosmology and ideology or worldview is significant here and there's absolutely no moral equivalence right baby mamahood sharing i'm so happy you said that because i'm like that energy is necessary but the cause isn't moral a thousand percent and again the thing is also i know some people might really not like what i'm sharing like what the fuck do you mean you could get down with a QAnon supporter before nancy pelosi if you're liberal adjacent you're like but she's a democrat and they're bad or some sketchy ontological term that doesn't hold up in reality, although that, right, 
increased polarization um, and divisiveness is super sanctioned by corporations because divide and conquer, remember, that military tactic, right, where ruling classes, right, whether it's corporations or fascistic governments, bank off of us warring against one another and not seeing points of commonality, right, which so often are enhanced if we're actually open to even attempting to understand what's going on instead of just being so intractably intransigent, right? Um, and also on that front, even last year, right, it's been utterly devastating to see so many people get caught in this individualistic sparring without having any kind of systemic critique. Like, again, people might have been more likely to stay at home if they actually received funding and support to be able to stay at home. So again, that, again, is just framed up for us in the most predictable ways by systems and structures and institutions that want us to be divided and conquered, right, as opposed to seeing, like, you think things are super fucked up? I think things are super fucked up. I'm willing to listen to you, right, and I pray that you're willing to listen to me because we could get it together in certain kinds of ways were there to be space to be able to rid ourselves of that kind of false consciousness. And again, please, right, take seriously, that is not about drawing false equivalences, right, but it is about, for those of us that are so committed to getting free that we are open to understanding at a deeper level, kicking down that labor. And also for those of us that, right, as a life long educator, that is part of my responsibility because I'm not here as a part of a cult to convert people or to proselytize. My family's not Judeo-Christian, right? Um, and so for those of us that are teachers also, it is really important to be able to be in dialogue and to be able to see what's possible in terms of shifting consciousness and not just try to get people to your team or to your side, right? That's a recipe for the kind of shit show that we're currently in, and that's not even fair to feces as a metaphor or simile. I'm too tired to know what I just said. Heart-centered loose sharing. Yeah, I agree with that. However, the power in context, but emboldening fascists and condoning fascism is a no. A hundred percent exactly, right? Um, and so in closing, and again, feel free to jump in if you've got any other questions that you'd like for me to speak to. This is kind of a thing that I've looked at for a very long time professionally, so I'm here for it. Let me just see if there's anything else in my notes that I want to bring up real quick. Um, so again, just be on the lookout for the scepter of right-wing terrorism being used during the Biden administration as justification for further policing, further expansion of the surveillance state, and other sketchiness, right? Giving no fucks about the limited civil liberties that some people even have in the settler colonial U.S., right? Because um, again, that's going to be more appealing to the democratic base. Like, these terrorists are scary, save me, big brother. Um, and again, we also need to be looking two and four years out in terms of settler colonial election right cycles because um, the even more fascist than neo-fascist Biden administration and Democratic Party right backlash is going to be even gnarlier because Biden's going to be and Kamala's going to be what they've been their entire careers. We already have the receipts. We can anticipate from a mile away the Democratic Party serving up what the Democratic Party always serves up. And so instead of being sort of naive and hoping right that the squad is going to be able to change right a deeply entrenched thoroughly corporatized system right you don't have to like what i'm saying but you have heard it here so please 
I could not give any fucks if y'all like what I'm saying, but for the sake of your safety and your loved ones, please just contend with, right? Or just, I invite you to be curious about the possibility of how much more horrific of a fascist we could get than Trump or than Biden, right? A few years out because of how furious people are going to be and how desperate people are going to be after Democrats being Democrats for the next four years. Heart-centered Luce asking, oh, and what do you think about them saying Antifa dressed up as MAGA? I know you're trying to wrap up, LOL. No worries in the least. I, I think that shit is hilarious, right? How pathetic that is. And yeah, I mean, I, that gave me a chuckle yesterday. So in case um, folks don't know this reference, right, this notion that the folks who were on the Capitol yesterday weren't actually, right, QAnon supporters or Trump supporters, right, but that they were actually, right, Antifa, so that this is like a false flag on that level. Um, so again, I think that idea, that theory is hilarious. I don't believe it for a second. Appreciate that. Good looking out. Um, so yeah, I really want to invite also us to be open to the reality that yes, there are false flags. Let's even talk about people being like, oh, a terrorist attack on the Capitol when it was cops letting them in. That in a certain limited way does actually meet, right, some limited criteria of a false flag. It's certainly not the way that it's being hyped up in the corporate media, right, or even the way that some of these politician talking heads, right, when the session reopened last night were framing it as literally being like, this is like Pearl Harbor. This is like 9-11. Like those references aren't even what they think they're invoking, but that, come on, right? Hearts and loose sharing, haha, was so funny to me too. I dislike it when people say Antifa instead of anti-fascist though. Yeah, nothing like that specificity, right? For sure. Um, and again, also on that front, one of the things is there, there are so many, again, false equivalences that are drawn, right? Like, oh yeah, like they've got false flags. Like everybody has false flags, right? Or like MAGA infiltrators or cops, right? That are agent provocateurs or that are feds or that are informants. Like they're infiltrating the left. Maybe the left is infiltrating MAGA. And the thing about that is it's much easier to get swept up in some of those theories if people are not, right, rooted in a robust historical context. And this is why, again, y'all might not like it if people are like, just be on my team ideologically. Just say fuck all of those people forever. As a teacher, I'm not gonna say that because we're in an anti-intellectual society where education has been thoroughly hollowed out and where people are not taught how to critically think. So I'm not gonna say fuck someone to infinity and beyond that never even necessarily, right, was given the tools to be able to discern or to parse out amidst these algorithmic echo chambers what is actually real. Things are confusing for people that are making a huge effort, right? And so again, at least for those of us that are, right, lifelong educators, that's insufficient, right? Um, Lee BDS trying, yeah, gotta keep reminding people what Antifa is a thousand percent, right? And baby mamahood affirming anti-intellectual society. Precisely, right? The U.S. is so rapidly anti-intellectual that also on that front, 
right? And I'll share a little strategic reason why I'm emphasizing this too that might scare the shit out of some people, but for folks who are here to hear it, right, this is real, right? If people just assume ontologically, like you're on my side, you're against my side, right? If we're gonna brawl now, like these are the teams as they have been designated, that right wing team has more guns. That right wing team, exactly, we would be so fucked, right? That right wing uh, team is more militarized. Millions of people that are right, self claimed liberals and even leftists don't even seem like they've ever taken a self-defense class in their life, right? So if you jump to that without even having a dialogue, that is not militarily wise, that is not strategically wise, right? And so also, if people want to get real, real around what it is that we're actually talking about, right, that is a strategic blunder to put it kindly, right? You don't want to jump to brawling immediately with people that are better trained and better armed than you without even seeing if there's any room to negotiate first, right? Um, where can I read more on that theory? Which one in particular? Let me know, Juju, and I'm happy to share a resource if I've got it. Uh, and so let me just see if there's anything else that I want to share, and feel free to jump in with more questions if y'all have got them. I think that's about it, anti-intellectualism. This is something that actually Professor Noam Chomsky talks about, right, when it comes to uh, how back in the day, like a century ago even, in the settler colonial U.S., how there was more of a culture of public intellectualism, like literally people getting home, whether it was from factory jobs, right, mining, manufacturing, whatever kind of work they were doing, and how there would be these vibrant book clubs, right, salons, dialogues, people would get together again over kitchen tables, right, in living rooms, and be involved in vibrant, robust, right dialogue discussion consciousness raising getting into it with each other and that consistent and rigorous political education was what allowed for example right epic labor organizing trade unionism during that period in settler colonial u.s history but in the absence of that exactly right ali sharing dr cornell west speaks writes about that a lot too yeah for sure and he's a rad example of it yeah and he talks about it also for example in the context of right jazz and the blues and so many especially black musical traditions historically and contemporarily in the u.s right that has been overwhelmingly hollowed out right BDS sharing Russian working class during World War One studying after 12 hour shifts. Exactly. Right. Like that was a thing in U.S. history not that long ago. Right. But that so many of us today don't remember or have never even learned about. And so for us, what gets normalized to right? when we're exhausted, when we get home from work and we've got that second shift, cooking, cleaning, taking care of kids, doing right care, labor, and whatever else we've got going on, right? Maybe turning to a screen or a device, whether it's social media, whether it's pornography, whatever it might be, right? Streaming on Netflix, um, as opposed to necessarily, right? The rates of participation in study groups and book clubs and salons and community education programs programs, hence part of why Liberation Spring full-time, right, to be able to support the revival of that kind of culture of public intellectualism, that kind of rigorous political education that's a necessity for our movements to even be able to strategize in super rigorous and on-point ways, right? Um, so yeah, Chomsky definitely gets into that. Even if you watch his um, 
magnificently dated 1980s documentary Manufacturing Consent based off of his co-authored book of the same title. That would be a rad resource on that front. Um, all right, well, this is all I have got for the moment, right, in my place of serious sleep deprivation. This is my um, mildly delirious decolonial discernment for the week. Uh, Lee BDS train, listen to Feral Visions while cooking dinner. Oh, I'm so stoked that you listen while cooking. Yes, so good. Um, baby Mama Hood sharing, we need more lives with you. Yeah, that might need to happen sooner rather than later. I was trying to be incognito in a mad scientist mode this season, but we'll see. Because again, I kind of been talking about this explicitly for 16 years. So hence being here even while sleeping. You're so welcome, Juju. Um, and Heart Centered Loose sharing, thanks so much for this. Very grounding. It's an intellectual shift that needs to happen. We plant seeds, not bombs. Ooh, I love that. Yes, you can say that again. Uh, and Ali sharing, only caught the end. Can't wait to watch it back. So stoked that you're Ganu, Billy sharing, thank you so necessary, of course. Um, Yunwen sharing, gracias, so stoked you could come through. Um, riffing off of what we've been texting about, so it's my elaborating on some of this, right? Um, thank you so much, you're welcome. Thank you so much, this is brain food anytime. Speaking of which, I'll just close out with a food-related pun, obviously. I feel like one of my offerings moving forward needs to be called Fed Up, because I was just sitting with that in my kitchen the other day when I was cooking, and I was like, fed up, like, pissed off, fed up, like, nourishment, fed up, like, fuck the fed. There's just so much pleasure in this food-related pun. So, along with the uprisings and the kitchen counterintelligence, yeah, I, I appreciate the reference to brain food. You know that puns are one of my love languages. <laughs> Steffi sharing, thank you, some laughs. Uh, all right, I'm just not going to subject y'all to any more of my sleepy humor. So thank you all for listening. I really want to encourage every single one of y'all to please share this out because I haven't heard anyone saying exactly what I just said. Thank you so much, Eva. I appreciate that. I hope so. Um, and again, yeah, like for real, a lot of our loved ones are really trying to understand what is going on. I was so sleepy and had already worked all day. I was considering doing a live yesterday, but I was like, you somebody had just texted me please stop overworking uh and then i was getting earlier today but i was in calls all day and then i was like no you shouldn't but then i my last call someone was like i'm so trying to understand what's going on and a starseed a liberation spring student based in dc so i was like fuck you need to do that live so here i am so yeah i literally have not seen anyone put together all of these pieces in the way that i have um and this moment is actually real and it's not going anywhere so i want to ask every single one of you to share this out with your networks, right, to be able to support us getting into some of these provocations. I give no fucks about a popularity contest. So if people want to attack me because I have issues with Nancy Pelosi, because I'm open to so-called conspiracy theories or the like, I can take it. I'm here for that. So that is just fine. Um, and also, if y'all are down to and able to kick down any kind of financial support to be able to keep this insurgent education going, uh, you can find liberationspring at gmail.com on PayPal. We have a Patreon. We have a GoFundMe. Um, I would really like to see some of that coming through so we can keep on with all of this. Um, when you share your page, I'm going to repost. Yeah, we'll do that right once it comes through. Juju, appreciate that. Thank you, Ali. Wishing you lots of rest and rejuvenation. We'll definitely share. Rad. I appreciate that. So yeah, I'm going to get on that and rest sooner rather than later. You know, I appreciate y'all listening. And as we're closing out, because I shared some things, um, I want to invite you to actually... 
if you're down, if you're able to, to just pause for at least a moment to metabolize some of what came up as opposed to, say, continuing to scroll or whatever else you've got going on today, um, to make space to be able to really integrate some of these gems instead of just having them more likely to go in through one ear and out through the other, that is a gift that I'll keep on giving when it comes to our unlearning and remembering and imagining. Oh, thank you so much, Heart Centered Loose Shine. Can you talk about your Patreon real quick? I want to support, um, if I can, what is, I'm so sleepy right now. Are we Liberation Spring on Patreon? Yeah, we're Liberation Spring on Patreon. And I think on Instagram, if you go to our bio link, that takes you directly to Patreon. Our name is Liberation Spring. I believe that's what we have there. Uh, so yeah, thank you all so much for listening. You know, I really appreciate your openness because y'all know I keep it real. And I know that sometimes uh, the rigor and the depth that we bring at LS can be intimidating for some folks or scary. But the thing is, again, we keep us safe based off of good intel. So if some of this freaks you the fuck out, you've got folks in community that are here to be able to support that. So wherever we've got the capacity to not just have our heads in the sand, to be able to support us in meeting this fuckery unflinchingly like we love and care about each other and ourselves and our communities i just really want to support that all right i will talk to y'all later take care that's it for today's episode of feral visions a decolonial feminist podcast brought to you by the grassroots adult freedom school liberation spring i've been your host anjali nathupadia and i thank you for listening what did this dialogue evoke for you you're welcome to post questions and reflections in the comment section below to continue our collective journey of unlearning, remembering, and imagining. If you want to share feedback, such as segment ideas or potential guests you'd like to hear on the show, email liberationspring at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow Feral Visions on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can find our free show archive. The Liberation Spring YouTube page also has the video recordings of most all of our dialogues, too. If you'd like more information on this show's topic, including upcoming online classes and one-on-one -on -one community independent studies, check out liberationspring.com. To donate to the project, check out Liberation Spring's Patreon page. Thanks to Climbing Poetry for our theme song, We Rise for technical production, and Grammy Award-nominated Zion Angelus of Baby Mamahood for our opening. Please consider leaving a rating or review so others can find out about the show. Be sure to tune in for next week's episode. And in the meantime, let's make our ancestors proud. Yeah.